Hello, and welcome to a special episode of The Content Minds. We are finally going on vacation. Uh, this is the most time off we've had since we started the show in 2020, which is very exciting. And to celebrate, we are phoning it in this week with an episode <laughs> that we care about and maybe you'll care about too. We're going to be talking about Thor Love and Thunder. This is sort of the type of episode we put behind a paywall. We're opening up to everybody this week because we're going on a break. Luke is um, I mean this this is this the beginning of our our content co-production journey was thought was Marvel. So this is appropriate. Sure. Uh, Luke's going to go get married and we're not yeah. allowed to podcast at the wedding. So this is this is what you get. But please keep following our feed. Uh, we'll be having sh- short little updates for you over the next couple of weeks. So uh, keep that in mind. But hey, Luke, yeah. without further ado, let's talk about Thor Love and Thunder. Okay, out of five, what would you give this movie? I think it's a two. I think it's a two, but it's a it's a it's a it's a tricky two. It's more like a one point six. It's a two minus. It's like it's like yeah, not yeah. even a two. The thing about this movie is it's not good. It's really really not good. But it is also I think kind of unraveled for me some love of, of Marvel movies in a way that I'm I'm not sure if I'll get back anytime soon. <laughs> I came out I came out of this movie in a foul mood cuz it I think there's a lot of criticism against Marvel movies and TV shows that they're like you know cash grabs and they're made in a factory and they look like gray sludge. This movie felt like a cash grab in a way that like I I felt disrespected as an audience member. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't I didn't quite feel that. I don't think I was that bad at it, but it did it, it did like definitely crystallize the challenges of making a movie at this scale at this point i I don't know if you saw this because i I watched it afterwards but there's one of the vanity fair things they do where they like do an anatomy of a scene yeah uh and they did it with the the scene where they're 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 kind of in the town hall in new asgard Uh uh-huh yeah talking about like uh, the Shadow Realm that they're going to go to uh, on Omnipotent City, which I could never figure out whether it was a... It was, I assumed it was a pun on Omnipotent City. Om- omnipotent but, but, City. But, but I couldn't tell whether it was Omnipotent City or Omnipotent City. Like, it was, it was very annoying. Anyway, ignoring that, there was a very revealing bit of this where they explained that they'd shot that scene three times because they were still writing the movie in post-production and so they just kept going back and reshooting it and so large chunks of that scene were just for entirely different cuts and edits and scripts oh you can tell uh you can you can really tell yeah you can really really tell there's chunks of it you're like oh okay there's apparently tessa thompson highlights there's a shot of her where at some point someone wakes up in front of her i'm assuming it's thor and she's supposed to look like vaguely shocked and she goes like like this and they left that in but he no longer did that in the ep- in the, the scene, so she was having this like startled reaction to a thing that didn't happen. Oh my god! I mean, it, it and Taika speaks, Waititi hadn't noticed. It speaks to the whole. So okay, first, 
This is going to contain spoilers for Thor Love and Thunder. Do not go any further if you don't want and, that. Although, And also what, all other Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah, but also what spoilers at this point. So the, 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 the movie opens with essentially a recap of a much more interesting movie that looks like it was filmed in an afternoon with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And this I, this I did not understand. I did not understand why they were kind of, there was so much recap there. I don't understand either. And and it goes to a larger problem that I've been calling the Thor's bath problem, which is based on the the scene in Avengers Age of Ultron where Thor goes and takes a bath and sees a trailer for a bunch of movies that haven't happened yet. But <laughs> in Thor Love and Thunder, there are two different voiceovers recapping not only the events of the previous movies, but also the events of the movie you've been watching. And then there's also like a bunch of like montages of clearly other plot lines that they just didn't keep or care about. And of the stuff that made it in, it just seems like people were just like improvising in front of a green screen. Like it, it's, it's one of the most, I don't even want to call it a movie. It's like, it's a bizarre collection of scenes and gags that don't make any sense together. And I don't know why it exists. I don't understand why this movie exists. Yeah. It, it, I mean, that is what it feels like. I will say from a pure comedy perspective, there were some jokes in it that really, really worked. The goats I initially thought was incredible. I hated. And as the movie went on, uh, that joke got funnier and funnier. You know that meme of like Patrick Bateman's face like zoomed in? Yeah. That's how I felt for the entire movie. And like the goats, like I get, I get it. I get the joke of the goats, but also like, it's like six times. It's like a, yes. it's like six I, times. I, I, I thought it was funnier every time it happened. I hated oh it initially, and I thought it was. I, by the end, <sighs> I was like, "That's that's a really good joke." I'm sorry. The whole opening with the guardians is also acted in such a way that I thought it was like a fantasy sequence. I thought they were going to review like it. To me, it actually looks like they filmed like from Thor's point of view, and then they were going to do a gag reveal that it was like totally different for everyone else, but they never mm. did that reveal. So it's just like all like it. It looks like Mantis wasn't even with them. It looks like she, they just green screened her in later. I mean, they almost definitely did. The bit where they're in the uh, spaceship and walking around, it's incredibly clear that they have, have no one in. The, no one is in the same room at that point. It's so weird, and the the whole like ongoing joke of like another Thor adventure, and I just kept thinking like I would love to see one. I would love to see a <laughs> Thor adventure. I thought that that that's what we were finally going to get was like a fun. Thor romp and that's how the movie was marketed too yeah I mean well this speaks to the other major problem with it is that it attempts to be silly and I think silly is one of those lines in a, in a movie where if you cross it you can like really fuck it up like if you're if you're making a movie that like plays with being like I don't know too bleak or too violent or something you can cross that line once or twice and it's like okay that didn't quite work but the movie as a whole still works but when it crosses the silly line it's just like this is slightly too silly then the whole thing suddenly just doesn't hang together and everything then feels too silly. Yeah, and and the the, the, other, the other issue, and I noticed this with Multiverse of Madness, but it is acutely noticeable here, which is that Marvel doesn't really have a third act problem anymore. They have like a first act problem where it just races through the setup for the movie and then you lose like anything interesting going forward so do you, do you know what i think that exact problem what crystallized that problem for me though it was top gun maverick 
Because Top Gun Maverick was such a perfectly paced film. Perfect. So perfectly made, really like clear goals that they had to do and the challenges of getting there. And this one was, again, stop this guy. But it was jumping around, doing different things, and they find out one thing and another thing, and they go here and all this stuff, which like, ultimately, like, why did they go to Omnipotent City? I I don't know. Nothing came out of it. To get did, to to get uh Zeus's lightning bolt, I guess. But they didn't use it in any meaningful way. <laughs> no, they so didn't. It wasn't like they got a super weapon that was like the only weapon that could work. Sure, they had a fight with it later, but it was not it was not the thing that changed the movie in any meaningful way. So the fact that they did that was made no sense. So at, at first I thought this was an issue with Disney's current streaming strategy. Which I was like, okay, so maybe because like Multiverse of Madness, the first act is extremely wobbly because it's based on a TV show that like a lot of people hadn't seen. So you kind of have to do like not only the intro and recap of Endgame, but also the recap of where Doctor Strange has been since his last movie, because this is technically a sequel to his first movie. But then you also have to do a recap of a TV show that like came out like a year ago. Okay, fine. I get it. That's messy. But with Thor Love and Thunder... At the end of Endgame, he has essentially completed a narrative arc. He's now like a new status quo. He's with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's going off to go find himself and like figure out who he is. And that is an incredible setup for a movie. And yet this movie also is completely convoluted at the beginning. It doesn't seem to know what it's about or what it's trying to do or what story it's trying to tell. And it's not because of a Disney Plus show. It's because of just, I guess... 20 years of marvel storytelling at this point yeah i guess but it's i mean yeah the 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 convoluted nature of the show is also that they did not quite know what the character of thor they wanted to be because taika Waititi didn't really want to do the wallowing thor so just like didn't but kept hinting that this character is probably the most tragic character in the entire marvel cinematic universe you could make a maybe pitch for wanda but yeah. like Thor is like an incredibly tragic character at this point. And so there is a really interesting story there that and this this movie also makes him into an even more tragic character, which they can't really be bothered to sit with. Uh well, okay, so that's a great transition into the cancer stuff because holy <sighs> fucking shit. The the first time they cut t- to Jane Foster, who they get her name wrong as a joke many times in the movie. Like cool, a, yeah. A major joke of the movie is that the, its own characters can't even remember her name. One character. There's a joke that that character can't. But come on, man. And then the first time we see her, she's in chemo. Yeah. And it comes right after like a laugh line of the previous. I think it's like the wacky Guardian stuff. And then it's like smash cut. Oh, here's Jane Foster getting chemo. And it's like, what? And I, I almost laughed out loud like at a it, because I was uncomfortable. Like I was like, this is yeah. bizarre. And then what's even more frustrating is that I'm like, okay, I'm changing gears. Fine. All right. Like, I get it. The tone's going to be weird here. But then I was like, ooh, actually, I'm kind of curious about this. This is a this is a story that I'm kind of interested in. Yeah. This is an interesting story. And then they're just like, nah, all right. Like, let's move on. Like, she's Thor now. And I'm like, but that's like a whole other movie that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it was the tonal shifts between her having cancer and her as Thor were just so wildly jarring that every time it switched to the other one, I forgot the entire other movie was happening. I know. And I, and and I was kind of frustrated because 
And then there's like this third movie that appears, you know, <laughs> a half a half hour in a third movie appears, which is, okay, they're going to go see the other gods and we're going to like basically see Thor prime teach the mighty Thor, Jane Foster, how to be Thor. And I was like, that's actually a great idea for a movie. I love that. Two Thors. They're yep. both idiots, but they're different kinds of idiots. She's become like a himbo herself. I love this. This is fun. Then they throw that out too. And it's just like, yeah. well, then what is this movie? Like, and it's also very clear that Natalie Portman was not given anything to like bounce off of. Like her character no. has history, has her, she has a character, but for whatever reason, they're all zip zapping and zooming and doing their weird, like awkward Australian sketch comedy thing. And she's just like sitting there. It's like very uncomfortable to watch in certain scenes. Yeah, I mean, there is a... Actually, again, in that scene that they... I said at the start, they filmed three times in the town hall at Asgard. There's a moment when she kind of says, well, let's go to the Shadow Realm and takes off flying. They have another conversation and then she arrives back and says, uh, went too soon or something. Or, 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 right. And I was like... And at no point is it really explained what happened. Nope. And I was like, did you just fly off for 10 minutes and then go, oh, yeah, no, I wasn't supposed to do that. And it was one of those things where I'm like, you needed to get her out the room so that he could have a conversation with yes. uh, Val to like have a to do some exposition. And your way of doing that was that she just flies off and then comes back for no reason. It's it's confounding. And the only answer that I can see is that phase four of the Marvel universe, which is now currently, as of Miss Marvel's ending this week, a hundred hours long, which is Jesus. mind-blowing. They don't know how to get the pieces together to get to where they need to be. And I think these movies are just being written up until maybe like a week before they premiere. Yeah, they haven't they haven't thought it through. They haven't got the kind of like nuts and bolts there of where they need to get the characters and what those characters' wider journeys are. And I think, honestly, I vaguely suspect that Taika Waititi took the money and didn't put the effort in. Like, that's, that is what it feels like. Would you be shocked to hear that this is the uh, one of the? I think it's the fourth biggest budget ever for Marvel and the biggest budget I think ever for a solo film. Yeah, that sounds. I'm not surprised. Which is because just Thor Ragnarok was such a but exactly Thor Ragnarok was such a success because it did a totally different thing and it did it in a really smart way because it was working with the budget and then you gave him an infinite budget and he was like, cool, I'm going to spend it in any way I want and I'm not really going to think about the rest of it. So it's interesting you bring this up because I was thinking about this too and I, Thor Ragnarok. Is a is a fascinating movie because it's also not really a movie. It's just like it's like yeah. a weird romp and it ends and that's kind of it. But it it takes place in the timeline in an interesting moment because we knew Infinity War was coming. We knew that Thanos was going to arrive, and so it's kind of like an intermission before shit gets real. And I think it's aided because of that. There was like we kind of knew going into it like okay, it's not Infinity War, so obviously it's not going to have anything like super huge happen, but to do that same kind of movie now, even if it was good, even if love and thunder was a good movie, that was a real movie. I think I'd still be frustrated with it because I'm just like, I don't know why I'm watching this. I, Cause I don't no. really, and maybe it speaks to just like, you know, the hollowness of Marvel at this point, which is that like, I don't care enough about some of these characters to just like spend two hours with them for fun. Yeah, exactly. And, the characters are also not nice. They're not. They're not. They're, the moments of when they're around each other are not. I mean, Tessa Thompson's great, and I think is criminally underused in this movie. 
Yeah. In, and like, to the point where she literally taps out around, what, like an hour 45 and is like, I'm yeah. no longer in the movie now. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought yeah. was just ridiculous. Oh, I, I got hurt in that last scene and now the script doesn't have any more of me. So I'm going to leave now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they were filming and she was like, I have another project. I'm actually out of time. And they're like, oh, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> the uh, They filmed uh, the final fight scene without me. So I am not there anymore. Goodbye. Yeah. Which, I mean, so much of this movie is like close to good. I mean, okay. Another movie that would have been really, really fun is if they had actually leaned into the things that they hinted they were going to lean into and made it and made it super queer. Like there were moments when it <sighs> felt they were going to do that, and then they just didn't, and it was like, oh god, the, like the, the bit of like, okay, you have a Valkyrie who is at the very least bisexual, but they, which they mention off screen, but then don't really show or have her play into it at all. You have Thor, who opens with it opens with a montage of all of how he doesn't care who he has sex with, but does not mention any men. It's like no, no, he'd have sex with a wolf woman, but not a man. That would be disgusting, right? And it's like okay, Korg is gay, as we find out right at the very end. Although again, I don't think it counts because the implication is his species are all male. Yeah, and but also like it's, I mean, not to be pedantic, but like he has a whole thing about his mom in the first one. His mom has a boyfriend. Oh, wow. Interesting. So it's just like, it's, it's, it's just a level of not giving a shit that I find incredibly yeah. startling. But you put those three people, Jane Foster, who they vaguely hint at some points that she is kind of into a woman as well. Uh, then they all put in, a, in, a, in a, a Viking ship that flies on a rainbow and they give Jane Foster the, the catchphrase, let's bring the rainbow. And it's like, okay, you can make a really fun movie about a bunch of basically queer space pirates and Taika Waititi thought that and then made an entirely different tv show about it no yeah he the, the and he marketed this movie as like it's the gayest marvel has ever been and it's like which it is but that's not saying a lot it's it's like a guy and his ex-girlfriend like dealing with her cancer treatments that's yeah. that's the movie it's not that gay and the, and their lesbian friend who who has like one line in a <sighs> that's the thing is that like that whole scene with the space tiki bar, when things like get kind of interesting, is also completely wasted. Where I'm like, oh, wow, they're flying a tiki bar around space. I love that. That's great. Yeah. And then they don't do anything with it. It's just this, maybe it's an overconfidence in what they had. I don't, I don't totally understand how you, I mean, because I had heard rumors that Thor Ragnarok was kind of a mess and that they had to like really save it in post-production. Mm. And part of me wonders if, because it was such a mess and they saved it so well, they thought they could do the same thing again. It's like a, it's like an Anchorman 2 situation where they filmed so much improv and then they made a masterpiece and they tried to do it again and they just made a bloated mess. Yeah. I mean, apparently they tested a scene in which Valkyrie, like a woman came out of Valkyrie's bedroom behind her and it was like, uh, and they tested it with the audiences and the audiences like got, got confused, so they cut it. Why is it? Is that her sister? Why is she? Why, why is she there? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, as a result, the whole thing is a bloated mess. And again, there's another fun movie in there that you, they didn't make. Yeah. And instead, they made this one, which is not that much fun. Who's her gal pal? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So, okay, here's a question for you, because I feel like you and I are actually uniquely equipped to answer this, because for listeners at home, Luke and I have marathoned the entire MCU twice, once for Civil War, which was 26 hours, and then we got pretty... I think we, I'm going to say we finished a 37 hour, we fell asleep, <laughs> but we finished the 37 hour marathon leading up to Infinity War. And we had lots of arguments during that period about like what the story of the Marvel universe is, because it is a story. And so I guess yeah. like, what is the story as far as you see it for the fourth phase of the Marvel universe? Like, what is it? I mean, I would argue that the fourth phase is, is uh, like, okay. If the story of the first phase is obviously bringing up, building up to you know Endgame and Thanos, the second phase is kind of things fall apart, right? Like I think that is it, and it is the more people are finding superpowers, and it is becoming everything is becoming unstable, and there is going to be an enormous kind of fracturing. And if you look at like a lot of the stuff, Multiverse of Madness, very fracturing. Moon Knight, a lot of fracturing there. Although I want to come back to that, uh, Eternals. I want to come back to that as well actually there's another point we should come to in a second but yeah all of them are kind of like just coming apart a bit i guess so so i i started i started finally reading jonathan hickman's run on fantastic four which most people believe is the blueprint that's currently being followed leading up to fantastic four yeah and the 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 main broad strokes of the Hickman Fantastic Four run, which is great, and I highly recommend it. It's very well done, and you can read it without having to follow a bunch of bullshit from Marvel Comics. But the main thing is that Reed Richards opens a portal and discovers every other Reed Richards who all decided to do the same thing. It's the Council of right. Reeds. Right. And the Council of Reeds decide to make the multiverse a better place, and the Celestials get mad. And they have to defeat the Celestials. And then it leads up to Doom taking control of the multiverse technology that allowed Reed to do that and creating like a world where Doom is God Emperor. Right. Okay. And all of the stuff throughout the TV shows and movies seems to be hinting at the universe building that you would need to do to get you to a place where... You know what the Celestials are. You know what the multiverse is. I don't think they're going to do the Council of Reeds. I think they're probably going to do the Council of Kangs. And they're going to have like an evil multiversal villain where there's like tons of them. It seems likely that they're going to introduce the Fantastic Four in Ant-Man 3. The rumor is that they'll just be in the quantum realm or what, quantum zone or whatever right, the whole right. time. So, so where do the scrolls fit in? I think this, I think a lot of, I think a lot of the issues with the the fourth phase is because it was supposed to be building up to scrolls and i think they did i think they decided not to yeah i mean it is weird that the scrolls were in multiple movies and then what was the last one they had them in uh, it was one the way it, it was no way home there's no scrolls in no way home no no because the whole way through it turns out that samuel l jackson was a scroll that's far from home far from home sorry I'm getting my homes mixed up. But there no, there's a scroll, there's a scroll in WandaVision. Uh, yeah, okay. So, like, I think I, I truly believe that this whole phase is all screwed up because they realized, like, maybe at the end of the last phase, like, okay, we can't do scrolls. And now they're racing to try to do something that they don't have the the, the but and I think these movies are beginning to suffer for it because like I don't care about Jack Kirby's made up religion. I think Jack Kirby's an incredible <laughs> artist and writer. 
I don't care about like. Uh, in fact, here's a question: What is a god in the MCU? Oh, this is the thing that I wanted to talk about that I was mentioning <laughs> when we were talking about the other movies, because the gods make no fucking sense anymore. What is a god, Luke? Like in the Marvel open, universe, it opens that the whole thing opens with Asgard. Uh, Thor is a god, but he is also essentially a space alien that we think of as a god because he happens to fit a, 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 an Earth mythology. Then we have like the Celestials, which sit above that for some reason. They are not gods. They are Celestials. It's a different thing. Different apparently. Thing. They're robots, right? Yeah. Then we have uh, the Eternals, which are... Created God. by the Celestials. But, but there's a problem with this because the way that the, 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 the Eternals are named implies that they were the inspiration for human gods. Like Hephaestus is Hephaestus. Yeah. There's one called Sprite, uh, who is... Ath- a th- Athena. Sprite. Athena, yeah, exactly. But this is where it gets really weird because Athena is the son of... Oh, sorry, the daughter of Zeus. But who Zeus is real. Is real. Yes, Zeus is a real god who is... I did also enjoy Russell okay. Crowe playing... Uh, annoying greek man yeah no i just i i thought the take on zeus of just being like a lecherous like middle-aged greek man is extremely yeah. funny and i thought that yeah. was very well done yeah no i i came away from this movie being like i somehow know less about this than i when i walked in like yeah i don't know what gods are we never see any die which i think is just a, a really weird choice to make aside from the opening one and then the big dinosaur guy at the in, 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 right at the beginning, but right. I don't understand what like so Thor is a god for Asgardians, and Asgardians are a race of aliens. Yeah, and Thor is a god of them, but I don't know what makes Thor a god. No, it's not because, clear. And then I guess he would be weaker than an Eternal, and an Eternal would be weaker than a Celestial. Maybe. <laughs> Who the fuck knows at this point? The gods yeah, I, thing, the gods thing, really, yeah. I don't care about any of it, and I and and for a while, like I really did care. I I, I really care about the Marvel universe, and I was like willing to accept its issues and its problems. But after a hundred hours of Marvel content, it's gotten to a point where like I couldn't even tell you what's going on, and I don't care. And like Phase One, like essentially in a perfect world, Phase Four would have to kind of be like Phase One again. We would mm. you would you would basically do like a Reed Richards movie, a Sue Storm movie, a Thing movie, or or, or something that like builds to something like because Phase One people people probably don't remember this but like it was not building to Thanos it was just building to the idea the Avengers would be on screen together that was the entire yeah. premise and then Phase Two is a little questionable but people were still hyped about it yeah Phase it, Two was a little bit it's a little wobbly but yeah, then. A little wobbly. But then we knew we knew Civil War was coming. So we kind of knew like, okay, like they're gonna break apart. Interesting. Then phase three, we went in being like, all right, baby, like this is it. Like this is we know we're going to infinity war. Yeah, exactly. There was there was a very there was a clear result coming. So I would think you have two choices with phase four if you're gonna keep doing this level of storytelling, which is you either build your way towards a new assembling moment. So like a bunch of new characters, they're all gonna meet on screen. Or you build towards a villain. And they've decided after 100 hours of programming to not really declare either, which I just think is a really weird choice. I mean, all of all of it's such a weird choice. Like, the more I think of this, like, why is there no multiverse in this? Like, you could have hinted. Uh, why is there no multiverse in Thor? 
Yeah, like well, maybe no... it's in one of the other movies they filmed that they that we didn't get to see. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell, it's just it's such a fucking mess. All right, so I want to talk about one last piece of this movie before we kind of go to like the larger the larger context for all this, which is is it, so... is it Christian Bale? No, I thought it was fine. I, I, yeah, I'm totally fine. I do think he has finally proved wrong the rule that you need to agree with a villain to make it the good movie. Yeah, I thought, I thought he had he some was... good points. I hate the yeah. gods, and I think they all should yeah. die. We yeah. meet them, and I'm like, I don't care if any of these people live. I also loved the fact that he could not uh, explain his own powers or backstory because they're owned by Sony, yeah. uh, which I thought was nice. Uh, his, his, For people who don't know, his sword is the thing that creates the symbiotes that Venom is, but that's all in Sony's back catalog, so we don't get any of that, which is just great. Yeah. No, so I, uh, I've i never had this experience in a Marvel movie before. At the end, when Thor makes all of the little kids Thors, I physically cringed. I, 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 I actually full body cringed, which I've never had that experience with a Marvel movie. I, I was just like, I, I hate this. I didn't I didn't cringe at that because at that point I was like, Yeah, that's this is about right for this movie. I did not I did not I don't know, I didn't hate it. Like what I kind of want from these movies is them to do a thing that I'm like, wow, I've literally never seen that before. That is wild. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I have seen that before. So like, fair enough. By that point, I just wanted out. I wanted out of the theater. I felt like I was being held hostage. I was like, I've seen Thor slow-mo jump like six times. Oh, yeah. And now you've all gotta, these you've kids gotta, are doing you've it. Gotta, you've got to like save that up. Also, no. the first time they did the first time, the, the entire problem with this movie compared to um, Ragnarok, right, is that when they did the slow-motion jump in Ragnarok, he had Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song. When he did the slow-motion jump in this movie, he had Guns N' Roses. And oh, I was like, awful. This is the fucking problem. It's awful. Also, I mean, this is just a small thing, but his outfit is so sick in the beginning. Yeah. Why would you give him that outfit for only five minutes? Yeah, and then he puts on like his normal thing again. It's like, oh, shit now. Great. Just like if you have like sleeveless leather jacket Thor with a giant axe, why wouldn't that just be your whole thing? Oh, yes. that reminded me also the whole sentient weapons being jealous of each other. Thing. Yeah, he wants to f- he wants to fuck his weapons. Oh my god! I just it's just like I don't know. The whole thing just felt so joyless. Like if I found out tomorrow that Taika Waititi just like wasn't around, like had some like like director's assistant film it, like I'd be like, <laughs> oh yeah, sure. But also, it's making me question if I even like Taika Waititi, which is such a, a shame because I like what we do in the shadows. I like. Our flag means death. I like his whole deal, but I don't want to watch a Star Wars from him now. I don't want to watch anything from him for a while, to be, be honest. Yeah, I don't know what that Star Wars is going to be. Oh, I'm just not convinced he can write a plot. I mean, apparently during the um, uh, the promotional process for this, he asked um, Natalie, he said, Natalie Portman was like, what are you doing next? And he said, I'm, I'm making a Star Wars movie. Do you want to be in a Star Wars movie? And she was like, I, I've been in three of them. <laughs> that's that's great. Uh, so the, I I assume they're going to be great movies. Yeah, I don't. I, I I think there's like this real like need to make him like the new hot director for genre stuff, and I'm just not convinced that. I don't know. Like, did he? Did he? He didn't write Ragnarok, right? I don't know. I assume he would have had a writing credit on it because he did so much stuff. No, he did not write it. Oh. Did he write this one? Yes. Yes, he did. Honestly, maybe that is the problem. Maybe he is a great director and a terrible writer. Well, not a terrible writer, but not a... Yeah, I don't I don't get the sense that, like, 
he has much of an interest in plot or like anything. Like, I don't know. I, I, I came away from this just very bummed out in a way that I was really surprised by. Cause I was, I was excited for this movie. I'm a Marvel fan. I like this stuff. And I just thought like, what a shameless cash grab created by people who just don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, it's so yeah. bad to say, but I was just like, I hate this. And I guess like my, my larger question for all of this, and hopefully this is like a, a broader thing. So the people who don't care about this, could find something interesting here, which is like, do you find that the Marvel shows are beginning to affect like your understanding of what a movie even is? I mean, no, yes and no. I think, I think it's more that it's messing up kind of the standards, which is why when you see something like Top Gun Maverick, you're suddenly like, whoa, I forgot that this is what movies were like. <laughs> I forgot what a movie was. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is more that I think there's definitely a kind of a, I don't want to say a slipping standards of it, but I don't know. A non-zero percentage of all movies now are... I mean, I don't watch a huge number of movies. I probably watch... Probably like a third of all the movies I watch are Marvel movies. So, <laughs> well, like... I, you're in luck. A third of all movies now are pretty much Marvel movies. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, it affects it. It does. And I and it and it, I struggle now. Like when I'm watching the Thor movie, I'm like, okay, like are, is this referencing some show or is this is this referencing another movie? Like in many ways, I don't think Endgame was the clear break that they thought it would be. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, but I mean they also have they've kind of then played around with characters. I would argue that the Spider-Man movie was still in phase three, uh, and then Black Widow was, I think, a weird movie that they clearly just should have done three years earlier yeah that was a super weird movie and they haven't quite got their through line sorted yet in part because they've taken a bunch of these characters to to tv like they've taken loki to tv he was one of the more iconic characters in the thor universe that is a very good point this is the first thor movie without loki in it and you can definitely tell yeah exactly it's it's it loses a foil for him so the, the next movie on the docket is Wakanda Forever. Yeah, I mean, if we thought the production of Thor Love and Thunder was messy, this is going to be next level. Yeah. In terms of it building towards Fantastic Four, it will most likely introduce Namor, who is sort of like the uh, the guy who's constantly cucking Reed Richards. Uh, that's That's like his main role. I'm interested. I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious what it what what it, what it could be like. But once again, like it also features a bunch of stuff that's gonna like go right into Disney Plus. I I don't I don't know. I I'm gonna keep. Obviously, I'm gonna keep watching it. But this was this was kind of this was a weird mo- like Love and Thunder was a weird moment for me where I was like I don't know if I care about this anymore. And I I think other people we're we're gonna find out this week what the box office drop was. But I'm curious, you know. I think, it's, I think it could be big. Not least because I think it, it had a very good first weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the lowest Rotten Tomatoes scores for Marvel ever. It's like on par with like Hulk. <laughs> I think there's a universe where I prefer Thor Dark World to this. Uh, that's, that's, how, that's, how, that's how drastic I'm willing to take it. But Yeah. It's, I mean, I do think it's better than Thor The Dark World. Like I would rather watch this again than Thor The Dark World. Maybe. 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 I don't know. Thor Dark World is terrible, and I'm upset that I've seen it at least three times. <laughs> yeah. Thor Dark World is the main reason we'll never do the marathon again. <laughs> well, there's just no also physical way to do it anymore. No, no. 
a hundred hundred hours of content already. Yeah, no, no way. Thank you guys for listening to this. I hope you don't mind a little vacation show. We have some more little bonus stuff for you while we take some much needed time off. Uh, thank you for editing this week's show, Seven Morris. He's responsible for the lovely soundscapes that are hitting your ear holes. Luke, what can we tell people about what's what's coming down the feed for them in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, so what's coming down the feed is is Dead Platform Summer, which is us talking about some of the platforms that we've lo- loved and lost. That are dead, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that are dead. Um, which, yeah, we're going to look at uh, Foursquare, at Vine, at MySpace, uh, and a surprise. Yes, because we definitely remember all four that we were going to do. Yes. But yeah, and if you liked this type of episode, you can hear more episodes like this by subscribing uh, at thecontentminds.com. We do a mini-sode like this every week for paying subscribers. And we will see you all in August when Luke is all married and I am refreshed and no longer burnt out and overworked. So, uh, yeah. Bye, guys. Bye.